0: and welcome to the 35th episode of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind. And I am Kayla Moria. And we are at paranormal Podcast. Yes, How we are. How are you this weekend? I'm, <laughs> I'm
1: good. Uh, my sister was visiting this last weekend and commented on the fact that I have not sung my name recently and she really wanted me to do that, so that was for Sarah.
0: Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for giving us... That musical introduction. (laughs) I was I was singing before we were recording and I said to Steve, I'm really singing right now. Gosh, I hope I don't do that on the podcast. And he's like, No, do it on the podcast. Do it on the podcast. Keep (laughs) that energy going. And I was like, I don't think other people appreciate my singing as much as you might. I do. Oh, okay. Good. Good, good, good. You don't hear all the songs I make up, though. I just walk around singing a bunch of different songs. It's like the remix of classic songs, but they're all about my cat. Sometimes you're, they're just the tune of those songs with the word meow instead of the actual words. Hey, you know. I like that. It's yeah, it's like
1: uh, my favorite Try Guy is Keith, and he makes up songs all the time.
0: Perfect. That's, that's very true. That's very true. I was watching... I I was watching something that they were doing today. And they were doing a commercial for something. And Zach was talking. And then Keith was being ridiculous with suspenders. And then it got me thinking about how I really want to wear suspenders. I think my boobs are a little bit too big. I don't know if I could pull it off. And then I was like, but if I did, I'd play with them the entire time like Keith was doing. Because (laughs) why would you not? Why would you
1: not? It's all about the placement of where you hook the suspenders.
0: Yeah, I bet Pinterest would tell me a good way to wear them, with my body type for sure. How are you? Sorry, I'm really, (laughs) I'm really low energy today. (laughs) I've uh, I've been sick since Wednesday, and it's Monday today. So I've, oh golly, yeah. I uh, stayed home from work today, which was because I was sick, but also. Um, it's both a, it's both a good and a bad thing that remote work is, is now a thing because I can do my job remotely. I did it through most of the pandemic, which meant that today I stayed home sick because I didn't feel well enough to go to the office, but also because I'm set up to work remotely, I also still had to work Mm -hmm. because what's my excuse? I can work remotely and I wasn't dying. So that's what I did today so you can see me in the in the zoom thing other people can't see me but I look like a hot mess I have not done anything today I'm in pajamas still <laughs> I changed into different pajamas though for you because oh how sweet I tr- yeah it was the fanciest I was willing to get but I got fancy for you Kayla <laughs> I had Oktoberfest this weekend oh yeah
1: that's right so I spent my weekend around a bunch of very drunk people while I was in a dirndl, and it was a lot of fun. And I'm going to do the same thing next weekend, just at a different October festival. So it's my time of year. Where are you going next weekend? I am playing at Fulton in Minneapolis.
0: Oh, I knew that. Yes. Wonderful. Look at yeah. you.
1: Doing it. Are you going to... Gonna-
0: playing in the studio. Do you have a photo so we can post on our social media of you? Uh, me and my dirndl?
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. I gotta find somebody to French braid my hair again because my sister's bestie Sam came over and she like did these double Dutch braids in my hair and I look uh. like a badass.
0: Heck yeah.
1: I need that to happen again. 100%. Also the
0: I was other so advantage sad that being I that, I that because
1: it. we're polka punk uh-huh. we Do not have to wear the traditional, like, Oktoberfest outfits. Like, the Mm -hmm. other members of my band all have uh, lederhosen, and they're Mm -hmm. different lengths and stuff. But one's, like, a cut-off pair, and they're, like, really short. And another person has these black ones with these green stitching and, like, wears a tank top underneath it. And nobody looks nobody looks traditional, so it's all very cool when I decide that I'm going to wear like a leather cap from the Renaissance festival and like my Eye of Sauron necklace that like I just like to say. Then it's like the Eye of Sauron exists between my boobs.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: So I was walking around with it. What woman wouldn't want to? I'd randomly just be like, I see you, and it was. A weird mood tonight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Well, we should probably uh, get going then. Shall we crack into it? Oh yeah! Finally. Everyone else can now enjoy a delicious cedar sour red. I've been talking about this sour beer for over a month and it's now available at the Cedar Lounge. And you know what's cool about the cedar sour red? What? Both the barrels that it's aged in as well as the blocks of cedar that give it that deliciousness that I love so much, both come from another local business, Vigra Distillery. In fact, the blocks of cedar are repurposed from their cedar gin process.
1: No wonder it's so good. I I love Vigra. I know, right? Tonight, I am drinking the Blueberry Honey Cream Ale, which is also available at the Cedar Lounge. This beer was originally just supposed to be a one-off, as you Mm -hmm. know, but it was such a hit that they made more.
0: Awesome. It's made
1: with real blueberries and local honey.
0: Nice. We are both drinking Cedar Lounge
1: exclusives. Exactly. Both of these beers are only available at the Cedar Lounge, and both of them, like all Earthrider beers, are made with Lake Superior water and perfect ingredients.
0: For the full list of all of the Earthrider beer, check out earthrider.beer. And we're
1: back from that word from our sponsors, because we did not tell you that we were going to do a word from our sponsors,
0: but we did. And that was it. They get it. They get they it. They get it. It, it. They know. Every time we crack a beer is a uh, is an indication that we're getting a word from our beer sponsor, Earthrider. Yay! Hold fast. I have a story for you. Yes. I'm excited for stories. So,
1: this week I have it's a location, but mm-hmm. it's more about the person than the location. All right. The Ghost of Minnie Quay is a fairly popular legend in paranormal circles of Michigan. Have you heard of it before?
0: No, but that does sound like a Michigan
1: thing. <laughs> the legend stems from a small town in the eastern region of Michigan known as The Thumb. For those of you who are not familiar with Michigan, it is a state split in two. The bottom part looks like a mitten, and this is on the thumb part of the mitten part of Michigan the town was called forester and in present day it is known as forester township it's a very small town like in the winter time i think they said they have like 40 to 50 people but
0: i have a super small town story too nice
1: tiny towns but it's one of those small towns that just blows up in the summer because of camping and touristiness oh yeah in the mid-1800s, the Lake Huron port and lumber town of Forrester was a far cry from the sleepy and small little township that it is today. If you walk the sparse beach, you can see the remains of logs that jut out from the water's surface, serving as a crumbling reminder of the great pier that once stood there. And that pier was made to withstand the hustle and bustle of the Great Lakes ships and sailors, and over the time it's just worn away. Back then, Forrester was a port town with four warehouses along the shore of Lake Huron to supply the arriving ships. And the main industry of the town, fitting the town's name, was providing raw wood materials and lumber. The industry there provided a lot of stable work for loggers in the town, and the ships brought in stable work for the sailors. One of those sailors unwittingly started the legend that would be Forrester's main claim to fame, after the lumber ran out and the ship stopped coming in on shore leave one day this unnamed young man took up with a local girl named Minnie Quay the sailor is not the center of our story Minnie Quay is okay he's just the catalyst
0: Minnie Quay is much Hmm? am I going to dislike this man? no actually oh okay well i'm excited here we go
1: Minnie quay is much more than a legend a ghost story or a tall tale that many of the internet posts kind of dumb it down to be they make it sound Mm -hmm. like this is some sort of urban legend but she was a real person who lived in michigan in the latter part of the 1800s on findagrave.com you can see her headstone where she was buried with her mother father and brother all at different points in their life. It's not like a big tragedy where they all died together. Just, they all got buried at the same plot.
0: Well, that's good.
1: She was born in May of 1861 in New York State. She was the oldest child of James and Marianne Quay and was raised up in Michigan, where she passed away in April of 1876. Her parents were well-known in the town of Forrester since they owned a tavern named Quay Inn. The story goes that Minnie at the tender age of 14, had fallen in love with a sailor who worked on one of the ships that frequented the port at Forester. There's not a lot of details about the relationship because, honestly, who documents that kind of stuff? Right. Especially in a small town like Michigan. The name of... Yeah, there's no social media. Yep. <laughs> to talk about yep. it. The name of the sailor that Minnie adored and wanted to marry isn't even known. It's long lost to history. But Minnie's relationship with the sailor, it is known that it was frowned upon by the small town gossips. One busybody took it upon himself or herself to tell Minnie's mother about their relationship, and it did not go well. Dude. Come on, man. Her mother, along with her father, both disapproved of the connection and did what they could to keep them apart. The townies and her parents all thought it was super improper for there to be like, carryings on and canoodling between a hometown girl who was young and innocent and a man who's reputed to have a girl in every port. Because that was a sailor, you know, generalization.
0: Yep, yep, yep.
1: All sailors were fuckboys, basically.
0: I I have heard this. (laughs) I have not met a fuckboy sailor, but I have heard the tales.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One article even stated that Minnie's mother once yelled at her in public, about the whole ordeal and was heard by several people saying that she would rather see her dead than in a relationship with a sailor.
0: Mom?
1: In essence, Minnie's parents forbid her to ever see the sailor again. They were having none of it. No. Right. It turns out that the Quays forbidding Minnie to see her honey bear sugar pie fuckboy was tragically unnecessary because his ship became one of the many ships that surrendered to the Great Lake storms. Oh, sad. In the spring of 1876, news reached Forrester that a ship had sunk in a storm. Back then, shipwrecks across the Great Lakes were pretty common, so it wasn't shocking Mm -hmm. news. But the ship that sunk in either Lake Huron or Lake Michigan, it didn't say for sure. I found reports of both, was this one that frequented Forrester. And when Minnie found out, she knew that the sailor that she had fallen in love with was gone. She fell into a depression over the loss. She had never been able to, due to being not allowed to see him by her parents, she'd never been allowed to say her goodbyes to the sailor that she loved. It's super sad.
0: That's so, so sad.
1: I would like to say that while I was writing this story, I just keep being like, okay, but you're 14. Yeah, that's... Like, okay, but you're 14 and all your emotions are bubbling up. And did you really love this man? But then I also remember that in the 1800s, 14 was a very mature age. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, 14 was the new 20. (laughs) Well, I mean, it wasn't. It's just people assumed that people that young were ready to be married and all these things. And they did mention several times that she wanted to marry this man. And so in my head, I was like, what the? No. But really, that wasn't that unrealistic at that age at that time.
0: Yeah, I just really hope there wasn't like a giant age gap, like if she was 14 and he was 30. So I'm in my brain assuming that he's 16. He is yep. just a strapping young sailor man who is dashing and Minnie was just like <sighs> Exactly. That's what we're going to assume. 16. Yep. Handsome.
1: So tragically, he has passed away in a shipwreck. She is devastated, she is upset. Days later, on April 27, 1876, her parents left the home that, and left her to watch her little brother, James. While her mm-hmm. parents were gone, Minnie made one more visit to the Forbidden Pier, where they had met and fallen in love, which was about a quarter of a mile away from her home. As she walked along the main drag of the, of the town, she brought her mm-hmm. brother with her. She passed some of the businesses and homes in Forester. Most of the res- residents didn't notice her, but a few waved to her. They did see her walking around. Mm-hmm. She was dressed in a white dress. She made her way down to the town's dock and jumped into the cold waters of Lake Huron, taking her own life by drowning. One newspaper oh, article wow. from back in the day says that her little brother was on the beach and saw her jump in. So, this isn't speculation talk about uh trauma yeah and just like that young woman's life is extinguished and you know what you could say that we don't know why she did it but we know and it's not just that Mm -hmm. she loved this man who died it's also because she lived in a small town and there's gossip in a small community and there was a bunch of disapproval and this young man was made to feel unwelcome in her town and she felt like she couldn't connect with him and she didn't get to say goodbye and it's a whole big pile of stuff small town community a gross but her young heart had a feeling that by taking her life she was able to return to the person she loved that's what we're assuming here okay the following article is what appeared in the newspaper after her death A young girl named Minnie Quay, about 15 years of age, committed suicide by throwing herself into the lake at Smith's Dock at Forrester one afternoon last week. She was seen in the act of jumping by her little brother, who was on shore. A quick alarm was given, and men commenced at once to grapple for the body, but it was an hour before it was discovered. Her father is a mechanic in Smith's Mill and is highly respected. No cause is assigned for this rash act. Don't we know why? Like, they're trying to say they don't know, but they know. Now, many of the remnants of her are recollections of the story by ghosts of Mini Quay enthusiasts, people who have told the story from time and time and time again. But Mm -hmm. they do have the articles to back up, and it is a small town where a lot of communities members are from the same members of family. So it's like stories getting passed down, kind of like that article from last week about the Headless Cobbler. Ghost hunters do like to show up, and tourists like to walk the beach in hopes that they'll see her. Her family's tavern still stands, though some sources say the tavern was never owned by her family, and that was just an exaggeration myth. As do many other buildings from back then. The pier has long since decayed, and what's left of it is just worn pylons just coming up in the water. And the Smith's Dock, where Minnie jumped into Lake Huron, that is still there but it's also really worn down and you just see pylons Mm -hmm. the legends say that the ghost of Minnie has been seen walking along the shore of Lake Huron near Forester. she is said to cry mournfully for the spirit of her lost love for whom she seeks but never finds over the years several young women have reported that Minnie has beckoned to them from the icy waters as if inviting them to join her It is even said that one girl drowned after claiming that she saw Minnie one night. So she said that she saw Minnie, came back, and then a couple nights later, I guess she went back and she she must have seen Minnie again. There are some people that ruled that death a suicide, but was it an invitation from a lonely ghost? We don't know. Mm -hmm. The former Quay home still stands, and Minnie's ghost is supposedly said to walk around there as well and while there are many other ghosts that are reputed to reside in this town Minnie is the only one to achieve legendary status she is loved by local residents and tourists alike people often seek out the Forester Cemetery where she lives to leave small gifts on her headstone and stories of the elderly people in the area who have been recipients of this Tale from years down the line say that you have to leave something for her at her gravestone, or she will follow you home. I saw some pictures of it. It's mostly coins and some stones. People just leave them sitting out on the grave. A Sanilac Township woman, which is right near there, author Denise Dutcher wrote the story of Minnie Quay in a book titled "Dead Reckoning: A Great Lakes Love Story." I didn't use it as a source for this episode because it is a historical fiction sounds like a badass book though but honestly it is it's it's an easy read it's not very long but it's good it's a great way to get historical facts about the area and the story while reading a pretty engaging storyline and it really made me feel for minnie quay so even though there's a lot a lot of information on the haunting i was like i want to tell this story so you read that book i did on kindle it's available on kindle i was not able to find a paper copy to order but i got it on the Kindle. Clown Shoes Brewery out of Ipswich, Massachusetts makes a craft beer inspired by this story called The Ballad of Minnie Quay. Why? I don't That's know. That's
0: so random.
1: But it's an <laughs> old ale, which is something I've never heard of. Uh it has okay. an apv
0: of 11%. Damn. So it's freaking ripping. Well, after after her lover died on a boat, In you know, the Great Lakes. She she needed a strong beer, so they made one for her. The description
1: of their beer says Minnie Quay's love died in eighteen fifty two when his ship went down. Heartbroken, she drove into rough water to her death. Her ghosts can still be seen roaming the beaches of Forester. She waits near the dock for his ill-fated ship. This old aged ale in port and whiskey barrels honors Minnie and Michigan. Minnie, we hope you find peace.
0: One of the brewers must be from
1: that area. I have to think so. It's like, I read it and I was like, weird flex, man, but okay. Like, naming (laughs) beers is weird. I think that sometimes when we have our beers around here, and I'm just like, you really name this after like a ghost in Michigan and you're in Massachusetts, okay.
0: I mean, unless that was your thing. Like, if I owned a brewery, all of my beers would be named after ghosts or crimes. Of course it would. just be ghosts and crime names
1: (laughs) finally I found this really pretty poem and I have no idea who to credit for it oh that's a bummer yeah all three different articles were like check out this ballad of Minnie Quay here and I clicked it and it was gone but I found the ballad of Minnie Quay but the website I found it on didn't have a credit for who wrote it so if
0: you know who wrote this listeners Please let me know, because I like it. Do they not know about citation? Come on, man. Right?
1: Uh, and then Wikipedia was no help. Somebody, like, erased all the credits off of Wikipedia. Wikipedia, what do I even do with you? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Here is, in sum- summarization, I think that's the best word. Okay. Summarizing. Summation. Summation. In summation of my story, I would like to end it with The Ballad of Quay.
0: Okay, I'm excited. "'Twas long ago,
1: beside Lake Huron, she walked the sandy shore, where the voice of one sweet Minnie Quay twill echo evermore. Sailors still hear her crying, young lovers hear her too, as she calls for them to join her in the waters icy blue. Young Minnie loved a sailor, the sailor loved her too, and on the shores behind the trees the pair would rendezvous. But gossips soon got wind of it, and tongues began to wag, The tale was told to Minnie's ma, by some old babbling hag. (laughs) Minnie's ma was very angry, and to her daughter said, married to a sailor? I'd rather see you dead. They knew that she'd been sneaking out to see the lad at night. They boarded up her bedroom door and kept her locked in tight. He waited for his love in vain. A tear was in his eye. When he set sail the next morning without kissing her goodbye. He never saw his love again, For alas, a storm arose, that raging gale sank many ships, and his was one of those. The ship that carried Minnie's love sank like it was lead, and when the news reached Forester, they said that he was dead. Minnie wore a dress of white, she looked just like a bride. She plunged into the water deep, to die there by his side. But Minnie Quay is not at rest, or so the people say. Her ghost still walks this lonely shore, some see her to this day.
0: That was beautiful and sad. I know. It would make a really good polka. Make it. And then you can find that beer from uh, Massachusetts and drink it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If I
1: get the boys to help me write this into a polka, and then we'll record it, and then we'll put it on the podcast, and then we will, before every performance, say, if anybody knows who wrote this, please let me know because we'd like to give them credit.
0: Just just put it far and wide on the internet and someone will sue you. And then you'll find out. I love it. But wouldn't that be yeah. a cool,
1: like, think like, Wreck of the Edmund, Edmund Fitzgerald kind of song. Yeah. would be fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. You should do that. That should be a polka.
1: So that is the story of Minnie Quay. That's lovely and sad. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of firsthand encounters. It was a lot of people just saying they'd seen her, but no more details than that. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. after reading that book, man. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Had to tell the story. story. It's sad, but tragic. It's kind of like when you watch The Little Mermaid and she's telling her dad, like, I'm not a child. I'm 16. I'm like, please sit on that rock and calm yourself. It's like I'm not judging Minnie Quay, but I am a little bit judging Minnie Quay.
0: But look at this stuff. Isn't it neat?
1: <laughs> it's so pretty. Thanks. <laughs> On a skeptic scale of para to normal, para being five, normal
0: being one, what are you going to give Mini Quay? I have such a hard time with your stories lately because I've been giving them, like, decent ratings, and then you give them trash ratings. <laughs> so I never know what I'm supposed to do. Do
1: you want me to rate okay. it first?
0: Yes, I do. I want the pressure off of me, okay. and I want it on you.
1: <laughs> All right, I am giving Mini Quay 0.5. Oh, I one hundred percent do gonna... not believe this. I am fully skeptical of this story, but it had a banger ballad, and I wanted to say it on the podcast.
0: All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a one.
1: All right. Lowest so... rated story to date,
0: but it's a good D- story. Um... It's a good story. Yeah. You know what? Being skeptical doesn't mean you don't like good stories. Exactly.
1: And I've been wanting to find stories more often lately that are mm-hmm. not necessarily backtracked with evidence, but mm-hmm. are still interesting. I will eventually find tell. a story that I'm like, yeah, no, this is this is one, This I, I'm
0: buying into it. It just hasn't been the last yeah. few weeks. So, yeah. And that's okay. I like to hear it. Thank you. Now, I want to try the beer, and I uh, I want you to write that into a polka polka punk song.
1: I'm into it. Also, also, mm-hmm. clown shoes beer sounds like a funny name. I just wanted to throw that out there.
0: I remember it being a funny name, but I could not remember what it was. I just remember that it was absurd. But you know what I guarantee you is better than
1: clown shoes? What? Earth Rider. <laughs> so both of our beers this week are cedar lounge exclusives but
0: they are not the only ones nope the cedar lounge has several beers that can only be purchased there including some of the one-off beers that were created for earth rider fest
1: one-off beer which i said in the last ad too it means it's a special beer that they only plan to make once exactly
0: so you gotta get it while you can
1: for more information about Earthrider's beer, check out their website at earthrider.beer. And don't forget to follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Earthrider Beer. And we're back. <laughs> After we just got into an argument about who's going to say and we're back. I said it. It was me this time. We both
0: said it. <laughs> and we're back (laughs) all right so i have a story for you as well which is our format so tonight i am going to iowa we don't spend a lot of time in iowa we don't so mm -mm, mm -mm, our neighbors to the south in all fairness nobody spends a lot of time in iowa no every county smells different and they all smell bad (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) iowa one of my best friends growing up moved there, and I had to. I, I didn't have to drive there for a week. I, I, dro- I drove there for her wedding, and uh, it was summertime, and every county smelled different, and it you, all smelled bad. You wanted
1: to be at her wedding. It just happened yes. to be in happened Iowa. happened
0: to be in Iowa. Yes. <laughs> Where in Iowa, though? Uh, tonight, I'm going to tell you about the Farrar Elementary School which is located in the unincorporated community of Farrar in Polk County, Iowa. And just so you know, I'm not 100% sure if that's how you pronounce Farrar, uh, but when I looked up how to pronounce it, that's what YouTube told me. That's not how I would have guessed it though. So again, apologies to the Iowans if that is incorrect and also if you take offense to my comments about your smells. Isn't it weird
1: that an unincorporated township would have a school? It's super
0: weird. Huh. But I explain why. Oh, okay. Why they have it. Oh, sort of. All right. So the unincorporated community of Farrar, Iowa, is pretty small. Most websites say that it currently has less than 30 people living there. And Wikipedia says that, quote, an unused elementary school building and one church are located in Farrar, as well as 13 houses. The mayor of Farrar is Zach Stiles it's cool name congratulations zach uh though (laughs) i do wonder whether or not he actually ran unopposed since there are only 13 houses and less than 30 people oh wow it's always been a really small community and the first i don't know i guess grouping of people uh in this area came to be when the railroad line was laid down in 1902 and 1903 and the unincorporated community actually got its name from one of the railroad employees who worked the line. And then a post office was then established in 1904. So they had that going for them. Though, based upon the information from Wikipedia, it doesn't sound like the post office exists anymore. So, I mean, that's a bit of a bummer for Farrar, Iowa. In 1919, a local named C.G. Gaddes agreed to give up six acres of his land to build a County Schoolhouse. From what I understand, there were a bunch of one room schoolhouses scattered about the area, and the school boards wanted to essentially combine them all into one building. Okay. And thus, the Washington Township Consolidated School District was founded. Okay. And the building was built. That makes sense. And it was a large 17,000 square foot brick building that looked super out of place in a small, unincorporated community like Farrar, Iowa. On April 21st, 1922, a dedication ceremony was held for the building that would house grades K through 12, and citizens from miles around attended the celebration, which included a live orchestra in the auditorium, as well as a banquet that served the hundreds in attendance. But not everyone is happy about the fancy new addition to the unincorporated community it's really weird not to call it a town or a city but having to keep referring to it as a unincorporated community who once had a post office but now doesn't even have that but they got a church so they got that going on
1: i'll normally just say like i'll say that it's unincorporated and then i'll just be like Uh all right town because my brain i don't i don't speak well which she says is she's on a podcast um (laughs) Don't speak well. So I hate having to say the word unincorporated a bunch. (laughs) So I just then I'm like, all right, you know what's unincorporated? Now I'm saying town. It's a
0: town. (laughs) It's a town. You know what I mean. Farrar. All right. So one angry citizen who refused to attend the celebration called it a, quote, monument to the arrogance and vanity of the school board. Apparently, people thought that the $100,000... Which in today's money mm-hmm. would be $1,628,375 was too much to spend on such fancy things as boiler heating, electric lights, and worst of all, indoor bathrooms. Bitch, we don't need that shit. I'm just kidding. No. I absolutely need that shit. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, I don't know, in Iowa, where they actually get winters, let's have boiler heating in this giant building. And indoor plumbing. Come on. <laughs> but there it was. And the first documented graduating class was in 1923. It only had five students, which doesn't surprise me at all, as Wikipedia also told me that the entire population of Ferrar was only 45 people in 1925. And all of the surrounding communities that made up the school district were also not that big. There you go. (laughs) There isn't a lot of information online about what happened at the school between its inception to when it closed its doors to students in 2002. Except for some whispers, which said that allegedly over the 80 years of its existence, there had been more than a few claims of molestation and abuse of students that happened at the school. Oh, we don't like that. After it closed in 2002, it remained empty and abandoned for four years until 2006, when Jim and Nancy Oliver purchased the building with the dream of rebuilding and restoring it to its original appearance and layout. But not long after they moved in, the Olivers realized that they were not alone. You see... Over the years, before the school closed, for decades, students and staff had reported hearing disembodied voices, seeing phantom figures walking the halls, and hearing doors slamming with no explanation. A former janitor named Bill Webb said that when he used to live on the grounds, he would frequently find the lights on in the gym after hours, even though he was certain that he had shut them off. He would also hear noises that sounded like people were walking around on the lower floors. And the Olivers? were no different. Not long after moving in, Nancy had become unsteady while walking down the stairs. She said she was about to fall when she felt a hand on her shoulder helping her regain her balance. She turned to thank her husband and found that no one was there. Both Nancy and Jim reported seeing shadow people, including what appeared to be a young boy descending a well-lit stairway near the gymnasium. He appeared to be just under four feet tall, with one foot on a step and the other on the step below it, holding on to the handrail. The figure remained motionless for about two seconds and then disappeared. So it was just like a figure that didn't do any movement
1: at all? So it was an apparition, but just was standing there?
0: Yeah, it was like a shadow person of a small child, but like on a well-lit staircase. Huh. And it looked as if they were walking down the staircase... But they had stopped when they got seen, and then they just disappeared. Okay.
1: It's just weird. You don't often hear about them just, like, freezing. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. The first paranormal investigation of the Ferrar School was conducted in 2007 and was conducted by internationally known psychic Jackie Carpenter. And according to hauntingatfarrar.com, she, quote, quickly confirmed the owner's suspicions that the building was haunted. You see, for 20 years, Jackie had regularly driven by the school on her way home and would often see the figure of a young girl standing in the window waving. It was apparently this reoccurring apparition that drew her to the school to begin with. And since then, there have been countless paranormal groups and guests that have visited the school, including Discovery Channel's My Ghost Story and Ghost Stalkers, our pal Chad Lindberg, Slipknot's Corey Taylor, and more. (laughs) I love Slipknot.
1: Oh, fun fact, you may not have known that about me. I love Slipknot.
0: I did not know that. I did not know that. People will often report the sound of children laughing or playing, as well as seeing orbs, and there have been many reports of activity in the kitchen. Owner Jim Oliver said, I was a skeptic, but the kitchen in particular? Three different groups came up with the same name for that kitchen and say they saw a cook in there while others report being able to hear her singing. Okay. Many people have reported a shadow figure in the boiler room. A construction engineer named Will Conkle said, quote, I believe it to be the janitor, which is something that he had deduced from the claims of various psychics who had, you know, investigated the place. hmm He hangs out in the boiler room most of the time. I was working down there, and I saw a shadow back in the tunnel with deep, dark red eyes staring me down. I just stood there and looked straight at him for about two minutes. Then it flew up on the ceiling and its face materialized for a split second and I saw that he was an old frail feeble man who is disguising himself as a six foot nine shadow figure. And other people have described it the same way. And it's this shadow figure janitor man who is thought to be one of, if not the perpetrator of the sexual abuse of the students at the school. Some people have claimed to be attacked by shadow figures at the school, leaving marks and welts, and during one investigation, they experienced doors slamming and numerous light bulbs exploding. I don't see that. Ah, ah just, ugh. That's one thing we haven't talk,
1: talked about, I guess, before. Because I don't like we shadow We don't get a lot of light bulbs exploding. And you yeah. don't like being touched, but I don't think anybody would like to be in a room where light bulbs just explode.
0: In 2015, the Iowa Paranormal Investigation Team reported seeing a full body apparition on the third floor near what used to be the principal's office, which is apparently one of the hot spots for paranormal activity. And according to fringeparanormal.wordpress.com, quote, the Paranormal Seekers of Iowa PSI group investigated the school and two team members who had been working on an EVP session when they suddenly spotted two balls of light exit the boiler room dart across the gym floor, and head into the laundry room. Later in the evening, another member of PSI returned to the gym to focus on allegations of child abuse in the building's history. A chair was sitting up against a brick wall, prompting the investigator to ask, anybody ever get in trouble here and have to face the wall or get put in timeout? A clear, intelligent response was heard stating, or worse. Lead investigator, J.D. Campbell, stated it was the clearest EVP that they've ever captured at the school. And I have that EVP for you tonight. Oh, yeah,
1: I was really, I was like just sitting here waiting, just like hoping you had it. I hate when we talk about EVPs and then we don't have them.
0: And then we don't have them.
1: I love it when we have them.
0: Yeah. Okay. Anybody get in trouble in here and have to... Have to face the wall, get put on timeout. Oh Oh, man. Paranormal Seekers of Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. It's not good, but it's so good.
1: It's not good, but it's
0: so good. Yeah. Yeah. So another investigator with the Paranormal Seekers of Iowa named Katie Haas said that during an investigation she entered a storage closet and when she did she found herself feeling suddenly unexplainably angry to the point where she was like bawling her fists up and it got so bad that she was concerned that she might end up needing some sort of counseling. Eventually, she went to a spiritual healer. And although this person knew that she did paranormal investigations, they knew nothing about the school or this incident. They asked Katie if she had been in a storage closet when the anger began. And then the healer allegedly told her that an entity at the school had connected with her energy and that it was, quote, not a nice spirit. People have claimed to hear a menacing voice of a man yelling, Get out. And on another occasion, Nancy Oliver is reported to have witnessed the figure of a young girl with a long frilly dress and curly hair, as well as the sound of a child giggling. There have been balls seen rolling around on their own in a classroom on the third floor, which is now labeled the ballroom. (laughs) Uh, People say that they have captured the... (laughs) People say that they have captured the image of a child sitting on the edge of the auditorium stage, as well as heard the disembodied voices of children cheering, talking, and whispering, or even running down the hall. And what's really great about this place is that you can actually visit it. If you oh. go to haunting at farrar, which is F A R R A R.com, you can book your spooky haunted tour. Oh, that's really I love it anytime they allow you to actually visit. Oh, totally. Yeah, for sure. And that is the story of the Ferrar school. I liked that a lot. I mean, I didn't like it
1: because of the obvious shitty claims. Yeah, but the haunting aspect of it seems very solid and very what's the word I'm looking for? It's very classic, and I love a good yes. classic
0: haunting and it appears to be relatively well documented and that fucking EVP or worse
1: or worse uh, ooh on yeah. a skeptic scale of paranormal huh i'm going to give this one a 4 fuck yeah me too on that EVP alone i mean there's other things but that's that's ooh yeah. cuz i've listened to some evps
0: and they're a reach Right, that's not a reach. I heard that. I would never play you a a, a reaching EVP.
1: Come on, Kayla. oh, I would totally you know play
0: you a reaching EVP. Just so we're clear, <laughs> I probably if would. it had to if do it, with if the place was good, I totally was would.
1: visiting and I thought that yeah. it might work, I'll totally play you a reach. I won't even feel bad about it.
0: All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've suddenly you were just Mary like Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. I know. I, I've done that on the last couple of podcasts. And it also in just like my regular life, all of a sudden I'm like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, uh, do you have a, another story for me?
1: I do. Yes. I have another Reddit story because we do not have any listener stories as of current. Our listener growth is going up there slowly but surely. But no listener stories because nobody's got anything to tell right now. So, I found this for you instead. All right. The Reddit user is Mr. Fuxit, M R F U X I T. Okay. Posted it on an Ask Reddit thread about six years ago. Mm-hmm. The Ask Reddit thread was titled, What is something scary that happened to you that you cannot reasonably explain? This caught my eye because it said, Too long didn't read, that sinking feeling you get when you think someone unseen is watching you isn't always wrong.
0: Ew. Okay.
1: Yeah. Mr. It writes, Hunter slash Mountaineer here. It was a chilly December morning. I hiked in pre-dawn, taking about an hour and a half to go three miles off the beaten trails. Got to my nest about a half an hour before sunrise and started to settle in. The wind kicked up and a fog rolled in that was thicker than milk. Within a few minutes, my visibility was maybe five inches. That seems like an
0: exaggeration because that would have to be like right here, but that's their story, not mine. I take a lot of, I I don't like the wording of thicker than milk. (laughs) Why is that so gross? I'm sitting tight, huddled up against a freezing wind
1: when I start to hear twigs snapping close to me. For no apparent reason, what is normally a rapturous sound that's indicative of an imminently successful hunt sent a frosty chill down my spine. I chambered around in my lever action 30-30 as quietly as I could, and lay flat on my back, tucked against a fallen tree. The rustling was moving closer into the fog, but I couldn't see anything. The sun was starting to peek over the mountains to my east, and visibility was starting to increase. The rustling of twigs and leaves was sporadic, sometimes directly in front of me, sometimes behind or beside me. I remember laying there, rifle across my chest, thinking to myself how silly it was to react like such a coward. I rationed with myself that bears and mountain lions are a rarity where I was, and that I had likely stumbled into a herd of whitetail that had bedded down. I decided to sit up, and the rustling stopped immediately. As it was fully dawn by now, I was looking through the fog for the outline of my prey, which I had assured myself was literally all around me. But it wasn't. Seemingly, nothing was. By now, the fog had faded away, and it was apparent to me that I was alone in these woods. I hunted all day that day without seeing so much as a squirrel. Around 3 in the afternoon, after fighting the wind and an abnormally cold day, and not wanting to hike out by flashlight, I decided it was the time to start back to the truck. Walking out of these woods was the most uneasy I had ever felt. Lawfully, once you make it back to the trail, you're supposed to clear the chamber of your rifle. Not that day. What is normally a stroll through the woods I undertook with the seriousness of an animal being stalked. I would walk, then stop and listen. I have never heard or saw anything during my retreat, but I could feel eyes on me. I was about a hundred feet away from my truck when I rounded the last corner and saw, hanging at eye level from a tree by a noose, a stuffed bear in a blaze orange jacket. I'm a giant broad-shouldered outdoorsman, but that one shook me something fierce. Oh. Okay. The next highest rated comment after that was Mm -hmm. quoting the part about I was about 100 feet away from my truck when I rounded the corner and saw at eye level from a tree by a noose a stuffed bear in a blaze orange jacket Yeah. the the next person who's titled Mighty Taint said the deer were sending a message (laughs) (laughs) and all I could think is like you know he's talking about how he's creeping back and like had to stop and pause and listen and i'm like yeah. now you know how the white tea how the white tail felt exactly exactly don't get me wrong deer run into
0: my car and i'm mad at them but yeah you know yeah. it did you ever watch the movie powder have i brought this up on the podcast before i don't
1: know if you brought it up on the podcast but i 100 percent watched powder at too young of an age to watch powder
0: it was very scary but that scene where they shoot the deer and it's still alive Mm -hmm. and he touches the deer and then he touches the hunter Mm -hmm. so that the hunter could feel everything that the deer was feeling as it was gasping for breath in its final moments every time i hear a hunter story where they get scared i'm always just like should watch the movie powder i remember loving powder i should watch powder I would watch it with you. No one knows what I'm talking about. You're, like, the first person in a decade who knows what powder is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, I can't believe I didn't bring this up at the
1: start of the podcast. If y'all have made it through your favorite awkward time with two mentally ill podcast hosts to this point, I have to call Brittany out on something that I forgot to do at the beginning of the podcast. What? What? How dare you send me that TikTok? <laughs> How absolute ah,
0: dare. Ah. Uh, you know, I, I posted on, on Twitter and I was like, this is what happens when I'm home by myself. But I also don't like to, to give away the fact that I'm home alone to a bunch of strangers on the Internet. So I actually have it saved as a draft. Um, I can share it because I screenshotted it. Yeah, I sent Kayla a, a series of TikToks. One of them was terrifying. And then she was like, why would you do that? We're both home alone. To which I said, I know, but I had already seen it and I'm home alone too.
1: <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like, do do that. And then we just proceeded to send each other spookier TikToks back and forth. I think we further fucked For our For pages at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But yep. It just, I'm just So much spooky things. It was mean. You didn't have to do that.
0: I couldn't not send it to you, though.
1: Like, it was spooky. It was spooky. It was and you're right. You did have to send it. I just feel like you could have waited like a week until the boys were back. I wasn't
0: sure how to find it again. You save it as a favorite. Oh, my God. I, Brittany, do you even TikTok? I do not. I do not. I I go through them. I just normally what I do when I'm getting ready for bed, which is why it takes me 45 minutes to brush my teeth and wash my face is because I sit and watch TikToks as I'm doing it. And Steve is just like, you're going to start getting ready for bed so you can go to bed in an hour because you're just going to watch TikToks as you're washing your face. Like how does that even work (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't work very well but it's become my nighttime ritual but with the fellas up in the boundary waters for nearly a week i had all of the time in the world to look at tiktoks and then send them to you i either look at them and if i like them i determine if i want to send them to you steve or both of you that is that is my participation on tiktok
1: well sean won't get a tiktok so mm-hmm. I have to
0: send them to him via text message. I send them to Steve via Facebook Messenger. He does. He never looks at them. But one he thing. Never, oh, he never Sean does. checks every one. But the one that came oh. up recently
1: that I'm really excited to do. We just have to find a photographer to do it. Okay. Is somebody posted a one that they did with their partner of a photo shoot with pumpkin heads. Uh-huh. Like they carved a pumpkin and then put it on their heads and then did like a couple's photo shoot. And I'm going to do that. You would. I I will. I, yeah. I mean, two Halloweens ago, we got married. Mm-hmm. Last Halloween, we bought a house. We need something to do this Halloween. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Couples pumpkin head photo shoot. Exactly. Obviously, that is the three-year mark. Isn't that like your you know, classic gold and silver and paper? Yeah. Three-year mark of Halloween marriage pumpkin head photo shoot. Obviously, that's all I, I'm love I love it. I love it.
1: If you have a listener story you would like to submit to our podcast, you can do so by emailing us directly, leftofskeptic at gmail.com, or visiting our website, www.leftofskeptic.com. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. You can choose to remain anonymous if you would like. We just want to normalize using pronouns. 100%.
0: You can also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Left of Skeptic and on Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. Any big announcements for you
1: before we uh, depart from our loved ones this evening?
0: We're just, what, a week and a half away from October. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm stoked. Yeah.
0: There's a couple of things happening in October. One, Delucon. Yeah. We haven't talked about that at all. Yeah. We will, I guess, in a future episode. Yeah. Anyway. Because I don't have all the two... information yet. We'll talk about yeah. it next week. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. <laughs> yes. Correct, Brittany. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and two, I'm excited. I got uh, a message from Jason Wusso, who owns Wusos and... Sounds like he might want me to judge a singer-songwriter competition. Fuck yeah. So buddy. that's fun. Love it. Yeah. All right. That that's it. All Those right. are my exciting things.
1: Keep an eye out on our social media and on our website and everything for upcoming good news. And otherwise, we just want to say thank you very much for listening. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.
0: The Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc. And our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye! Tears
1: falling down at the party Saddest little baby in the room